you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody. Through the blogosphere, I got, um, I guess, my crisis communication stuff got noticed by a man by the name of Doug Poritz, who says that he was named one of the eight titans of PR. Am I correct? And uh, that was interesting to me in Washington, D.C. Why don't you tell us about that? Um, Washington Life is a monthly magazine in uh, D.C., um, like at many other city magazines. And uh, they, did, they do an article, they do a, uh, an issue each year on what they would call the Power 100 or something like that, the uh, most powerful people in the, in the Washington, D.C. region. And sometimes they break it down into uh, little business clusters. Uh, so in 2010, they broke down the uh, PR cluster, and uh, they named eight people in D.C. that they thought were, quote, titans of D.C., titans of PR. And I think that the main reason why uh, they named me was not only because I have a lot of experience, but also because... I uh, created a business model and co-found uh, that's been pretty unique among PR and communications firms, uh, and then co-founded a firm that became pretty successful. And uh, since uh, and for the past two and two years ago, I sold my interest in that firm. Well, there now I see that you started a lot of companies and. Um you know, sold them and all of that kind of stuff. But what we're going to want to hear about are your interesting stories because if you are, you know, one of the eight titans, which is a very nice title for a publication, yes. um, you know, we want to talk crisis. Let's talk a little bit. I, I know that you had heard about my show, and I'm always interested in the blogosphere and how people make connections. So how did you hear about the show? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, on the blog sphere, reading something, I think I saw something that you wrote and started to communicate with you in response. Okay. Um, but I don't remember the particular, th- the particular issue, Cindy, uh, largely because I'm on the web a lot, so I don't remember a lot of specifics uh, oh. in that regard. Well, my, my listeners usually find it interesting because this is a, you know, this is a blogosphere kind of podcast, so you know mm-hmm. if you could remember, it would be great. Because I think I don't stories. remember exactly. I think I found a comment that you may have made in a LinkedIn group or somebody who linked in a LinkedIn group to you. 
Okay. Well, that could be very possible. And, of course, I, you usually, I'm sure that you studied my background as well. Yes, I did. Okay. So that way we can have, you know, an organic conversation. That's more important. Okay, well, let's talk about crisis issues then. I mean, I know that you've probably done a lot. You grew up in sectors where you probably had to handle a lot of stuff, and I know that it's sensitive when it comes to client communications, and you can't necessarily always disclose a client. But if you can talk about maybe current events, and we could have some banter and analysis, um, or talk about some of the things that you worked on that were kind of crisis-oriented, it would be great. And we have a couple of segments to do it if you have the time. I sure do. Let me uh, see if this would interest you. (laughs) Uh, I'm 66 years old. I started my career when I was in my about 23 years old. I was a reporter for the Alexandria, Virginia uh, Gazette, which was a daily newspaper. And uh, I was covering police, and I got to meet the superintendent of schools. Superintendent of schools contacted me one day and asked if I would join the school system to help them integrate the schools. So I joined, my first job was reporting to the superintendent of schools of Alexandria, Virginia, which was the scene, which the integration of those schools was memorialized in the movie Remember the Titans. So my first uh, job when I was about 23 to 27 was, uh, you know, was, actually became a famous event in American history because of the movie. And when I was 27, I thought I'd never, uh, I'd never experience uh, the opportunity to work on something that exciting and that interesting and that challenging again. But the lesson I learned through the integration of the Alexandria schools was that you could envision an outcome that you wanted to achieve, and then you could develop a program and strategize it, create it, and then execute it to get you to that outcome. And the outcome that we envisioned for the Alexandria schools was a peaceful integration. And we used the football team um, really as a major tool in that regard, and that plan, that concept was hatched not by Coach Boone on the football field, not to denigrate the importance of what he did, but the but in the superintendent's office as part of a total strategy, so that we could get through integration peacefully. Well, listen, I think that a lot of that is probably relevant today with today's headlines and current events. Yeah, um, what you, it's um, amazing to me. I think that uh, there isn't a lot of um, vision being articulated in messages that um, American public is hearing from politicians or from people in government. There's very little aspiration. The, the experience of integrating the Alexandria schools made me come to the understanding that if you articulate the vision that you want to achieve and, and try and sell that vision, then people can buy into that vision and help, and you can, ha- you can march to that vision with a great deal of support. I think that one of the problems in messaging today uh, among politicians and so on is that 
there isn't the articulation of a vision, and so that you can't get people to march together. Well, you know, but let's go what, backwards yes. a little bit, if we can, okay? Because mm-hmm. you're making some very, very interesting points. Um, you know, the, I, I think one of the things, if I could say this technically, about communications planning is that there's, you know, there's logistics. There's a plan. And you've got to bring teams together, and you have to develop your, your core values. You have to develop um, your talking points and your mission statements, and you have to get buy-in and collaboration. And this might be something that's missed today, and there's a lot of reasons why. But, you know, what's very, very important for communications professionals to understand is it doesn't just happen. You've got to sit down with all of your key constituents and management team and develop your, your messages together and develop who you are and your core values, and from that comes a mission statement, and from that comes your talking points and messages. And you're saying that today you're seeing that there's a lack of cohesion? Yeah, actually, um, what I, I think that you identified the process really well, but I think that the first step is making certain that you understand the goals. So it may be to uh, sell more coffee cups. If you're a coffee cup manufacturer, fill more seats at a theater, get people to support a political issue or a political candidate and so on. But you have to start with the goals. And then you work backwards from that to develop how you get to those goals by execution, exactly the way that you just defined. I think you're absolutely right. And some people get a company's vision and a company's mission statements a little mixed up. But when you're setting goals, it's really what you want to aspire to be. And you've got to know what you're going to aspire to be before you do the other stuff. So you're absolutely right. And um, maybe, I, you know, I, one of my theories is, and you and I have been practicing communications both for a long time. So we're both traditional, you know, business people who had to learn to adopt to a 3.0 world, okay? And I think that there are a lot of people in business today who are very, very, very smart, but they're, they're getting lost in the veneer of social media marketing, and therefore some of the traditional business um, planning is lost. And that's, of course, my theory, and I have a feeling because you're a contemporary, we're peers, you, you might agree with that. Yeah, okay. I, I think I'm older than you, but not very. <laughs> okay. No, not very. Uh, listen, we're both in the over fifty club. That's all that counts. Uh, okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. So, um, you know, and I, I think what's happening is is that you have, um, you know, a lot of twenty somethings in business that are starting out in business right out of business school, sometimes right out of college, and sometimes you know, not at all, nothing at all. But you know, they've grown up with, um, you know sort of a, an iPad in their playpen, and I'm exaggerating, or some kind of, you know, computer device that they were able to interact with. So therefore, there's immediate gratification in getting what they want rather than setting a vision and going through the practical steps that I'm trying to cover with you. That's right. Um, the, um, I have a 28-year-old son, and for his first birthday, uh, 27, 28 years ago, I bought an Apple GS3 computer. 
sat him on my lap and let him bang at the keyboard. And my wife said, what are you doing? And I said, he better get comfortable with this because he's going to grow up with this the same way we grew up with a pencil. And um, I believe you're right that there's a difference uh, generationally. But I think that, there, that because of that, and because the PR business is an open business and exciting business and a turn on to people starting their careers. A lot of young people come into PR, and um, I think that the message about what the communications revolution is has been totally misunderstood and underestimated uh, because of what you just said, the emphasis on social media. I don't think social media is the communications revolution. I think the communications revolution is something much more significant than that. Uh, look, I admire the way that uh, you want to have an organic conversation, and uh, at, as we didn't rehearse uh, this at all or anything like that. Right. So I can talk about what my view is about the real communications revolution if you want. Well, sure. Um, Why don't you just go ahead and do that? Okay. Give me a second here. Okay, because the, um, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm interested to hear. The human animal. Be, um, began to communicate about four million years ago, uh, before the current Homo sapien, but hominids nevertheless, um, before there was a voice box, before they could even grunt, and before there was a big brain. And they communicated by pantomime and pointing. Uh, this was dramatically and fundamentally different than all other creatures before and all other creatures since. But if you think of the human being's pattern evolution of communications, we started out pantomiming and pointing. With pantomime and pointing, there are two major limitating factors, space and time. That is to say that for pantomime or pointing to make sense, you, um, you have to be at the same space at the same time. Uh, otherwise, you can't communicate. If you think about the evolution of the human being, the human animal has been on a four-million-year quest to eliminate the tyranny of space and time on their communications. From smoke signals and yelling to drums, flash forward to email for the privileged or mail for Britain mail for the privileged few, cave painting to leave down messages, the printing press, so on and so forth, flash forward some more to four billion people watching, watching the opening ceremonies of the Chinese Olympics at the same time, and the rest of the world, or even the four billion who saw it, being able to access it again anytime they want at their convenience. If you think of it in those terms, what you see is that the human animal over four million years has achieved a major evolutionary breakthrough, which is that they have eliminated the, lim the tyranny of space and time on their communications. Communications is no longer bound by being in the same space in the same time. It's asynchronic, and it and geography is uh, basically irrelevant. Well, but you know, uh, but this is something that you know when you're talking about um, changes in communication, you're going back to you know the invention of the printing press. But you know what? We're going to have to take a commercial break, and um, mm -hmm. we could talk about this more. 
um, when you come back, but, um, you know, so, I mean, when you're talking of, I mean, we're talking history of communications and communication revolution of, um, you know, evolving in that limited space-time continuum. I know that very, very well. I've studied that in, you know, my undergraduate. So, um, you know, we could continue, but I think that we will also... Um, be able to discuss point by point how it's really accelerated to an unbelievable, I mean, to unbelievable speed today. Um, Let's have more with Doug Poretz after we come back from this commercial break. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back and we're talking about the history of communication and prehistory of communication with Doug Poretz. Um, and the interesting point is, is that, you know, we think that we're going through a communications revolution now with social media and social networking, but in the context of, you know, a very, very, very long history, um, Doug is arguing that the revolution happened a lot earlier than today, and we're going to continue with the history and, you know, Doug's recitation of the history and what the consequences are when the space and time continuum are blown out of the water, like what we see through, you know, Twitter. And, um, okay, so continue. Well, what I, what I think is that there's, an, there's been an evolutionary process over a very long period of time uh, that has virtually consummated um, uh, in contemporary, in right now, in modern times, um, uh, very recently. At, at any rate, I think that the consequence of it is is that um, the idea of segmenting communications practices, efforts, campaigns into 
PR, advertising, social media, grassroots, public affairs, and so on, is becoming more and more inappropriate and that we have to think of those campaigns more and more as communications campaigns. As we talked earlier, Cindy, when we talked about the goals, starting with understanding the goals, if the, goals are, if the goal is to get some people to buy more of a certain brand of coffee cups, then it doesn't matter what distribution channel you use to take the message about your better coffee cup to your audience. You can use any distribution channel. And the great thing about the, rev- the, communi- the way communications exist today is that there's an abundance of opportunities to take messages to people. Not only that, there's an abundance of opportunity to understand those people and to shape your messages so that it resonates with them. But to do that, you have to look at the campaign and the execution of the campaign across a broad swath of, uh, of opportunities to, to craft and then distribute the message. And to do that, you have to collaborate with a team of people who bring a wide variety of uh, areas of expertise so that the uh, campaign can be as robust and as efficient and, uh, and effective as possible. Oh, well, I think that's very true. But um, so you don't think you think that communication has just been evolutionary rather than revolutionary? No, I think that the revolution. I think that it has it has reached a revolutionary point. I think it has reached a revolutionary point where space and time are no longer limiting factors, and I believe that that's the revolution. I do not believe that social media is the revolution. Social media is a tool that has helped the revolution move, move forward. But I, don't, but I don't think it is the revolution. There's, um, the, the revolution is really the opportunity to communicate without limits of space and time. Uh, and I think that Twitter, Facebook, uh, name it, uh, all tools in that effort. Well, I mean, so is Skype and, you know... Um you know, video conferencing and, you know, uh, I mean... Live radio, all the above. That's exactly know. right. And so the world we're living in is a vastly different world than ever before. And I say that it's not vastly different because of one or two tools. It's vastly different because of the uh, total change in the way humans are able to communicate relative to the way they were able to communicate uh, not that long ago. Uh, now they're able to communicate without the limits of space and time, which changes the nature, I believe, uh, that we're going to see of nations. What defines a nation? Well, what defined a nation up to now has been geographical borders. Because people within similar within the same geographical borders share much of the same interests and share much of the same vested needs, like defending that area. But when geography is less relevant and on a way to significantly less relevant, then what creates a community of people? Shared interests, 
about about their hobby or about their business or about the or about their politics or about their views, and that those communities can coalesce. And well, yeah, but I think very, I would argue yeah. with you that that is revolutionary because it you know what, what you're what having saying. now, the space-time continuum, arguably you know, was blown apart, again, when you could take information and blast it to a lot of places, no matter how long ago it was. But now we're talking about recreating geographic borders and barriers. That was only accomplished, really, when nations can communicate through, through tools like Twitter. I mean, when in our history ever... Can you have, you know, an overthrowing of governments and riots taking place in the Middle East and having people in the Western world communicating and directing them to safety places? Yeah, I, mean, I may not have communicated effectively myself. I, I say that this is a revolution, but it is a revolution that has been recently, con- that has recently been the consummation of a four-million-year Evolution. I, no, but I think I believe that's right. that it I, has ended in a revolutionary time, probably as significant as the Copernican Revolution. And the reason is that the Copernican Revolution changed the human's worldview. So the human no longer was at the center of the universe on a fixed, solid earth that everything else revolved around. And that took hundreds of years for the human to accept and adopt and adapt to. Oh no! I mean, yes, and I think that there's going to be—it's going to take hundreds of years for you know some humans to adapt to you know the digital communications revolution, but maybe not so many because you know the younger faster. generation, just like you said with your son, was sort of spoon-fed with it. No, everything is moving faster, and I agree with you. It will, ta- it will take and is taking a lot of time. I think that in the final analysis, it won't be considered a communications revolution, but it will be considered the Einsteinian revolution. I mean, because Einstein was the one who said that space and time aren't two different things. They're one thing. And so, um, and so that is a worldview uh, uh, looking at the world with uh, looking at the world with a different sense of what is space and what is time and seeing it as one thing instead of two things is going to create major turmoil and we're seeing that now we're, we're seeing major turmoil um, and the idea of living through a Copernican revolution without turmoil would have been crazy and the idea of living through an Einsteinian revolution where the world view is also changing uh, maybe imperceptibly but quickly um, is also going to be fraught with a lot of turmoil that's why one of the things that I've been saying since the, the 2008 uh, market crash and other changes is that there will be recovery, but recovery isn't a synonym for return. No, what I think that's true. Through, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, you know, I think that people who have studied the Great Depression and have studied financial fluctuations throughout time and you know, history definitely understand that this is a reset. You have a lot of people that are saying, 
Um, when are we going to come back? When is the economy going to be healthy again? Well, I, I have news for people. It's never going to be the same. And it's a reset, and there's a reason for adjustment. And, you know, there was too much greed, and everybody has to suffer the consequences. And there's going to be sort of a reset, reinvented financial system. Yes, and there's also going to be a reset, to use your word, reinvented other systems, too. The um, other systems of how people interact, other systems of how people form into communities, other systems of how people identify themselves, um, all sorts of other systems that are just beginning to take shape and emerge right now. Uh, see, I think that we're we're living in a period not of. Uh, not not of modest change. I think right now we are in the 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 I, the beginnings of a change in the human worldview that's extremely significant. And I think that to use your word, you will see resets in everything. So if we're going to see resets in everything, and I think it's largely arising because there's been a major victory by the human animal in its ability to communicate, then if we're going to see resets in everything, then we're going to have to rethink how we communicate one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-one, what tools we use, plural, um, and how we react to them, and uh, what becomes important to us, so on and so forth. Oh, I think we, we well. I think what we're both agreeing on, and again, now that you know that I'm not 30 years old, you see yeah. that I actually was around and working <laughs> at yeah. a time before all of this social media stuff started to take place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know when I started in the workplace, um, you know, email wasn't even quite invented yet. Okay, I was mm-hmm. still working on a Twix machine and a mm-hmm. word processor. So um you know I you know I think we're really agreeing on the sociological um effects yeah. that this 3.0 communication is going to have on all of us that you know the economic reset is having on all of us how regrouping and recreating um you know, barriers or specialty groups or where one belongs is all kind of being redeveloped. It's almost as if we're saying that we are living in a time where the change is really incredible, but we're, you know, a lot of us aren't going to really be able to see that change unless we're looking back at it in another 50, at least another 40 to 50 years. I agree with you. Um, uh, uh, I agree with you totally. I think it's at least another 40, 50 years. I think that we can start seeing or start predicting some changes now. But, you know, uh, I often think that if I was a friend of Henry Ford and I was standing shoulder to shoulder with him outside his Model T assembly plant and we saw these black Model Ts roll off the assembly line, we could have stood there together, and I could have said, Henry, you know, sometime, someday these are going to look much sleeker and maybe come in different models and be painted in all sorts of different colors. And Henry Ford would have been able to say, yeah, that's a good prediction. There was no way 
I could say there would be a device inside the car that would tell me by voice how to get to my destination. Because for me to make that prediction, I would have had to predict uh, satellites. And for me to make that prediction, I would have had to predict rockets that put satellites in orbit. And for me to make that prediction, I would have had to assume all sorts of other stuff. Plus, I would have had to assume the technology, the digital technology that went into the satellite and the uh, communication satellite that bounced signals up and down from the satellite. That would have been impossible. It would have been, it would have been possible for us to say they're going to be red cars. It would have been impossible for us to say there's going to be a device inside the car to give directions by voice. Similarly, I think that there are some things that we can predict right now at the level of red cars, but I don't think we can even dream about the GPS equivalent that's going to exist in 40 years. No, I, I think that you're right. It's going to be very hologram like, um, you know, at least that's what we see at the consumer electronics shows. So I, I think we can envision it. We, I mm-hmm. don't know if we're going to have the opportunity to live it. Um, mm-hmm. But we're going to talk more about this. If you want to stay on a little bit more, we'll take one more commercial break because you took mm-hmm. this conversation, Doug, into a very academic place, which I like. Um, right. It's very rare that we share with our listeners sort of the academic historic, Einsteinian um, perspective and point of view. So this is very, very unique, and I thank you for that. Um, okay. It's very, very refreshing, and I'm, and I'm glad that you were, you were able to, um, you know, share some very, very, you know, good insights on where we are now and where we will be. And, you know, it's very anthropological, and, um, you know, it's, it's rare and unique, so... For those of you that haven't tuned in earlier, you might want to listen. Go back to the beginning of the show. Stand by. Don't go away. Come back after these commercials with Doug Porritt. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards 
than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back in our final segment with Doug Poritz, one of the eight titans of PR, and now we know why, because he actually knows communications history and a lot of other history, and we're having some philosophical discussions about how the world is changing and the impact that, you know, digital communication has and will be having. So, um, you know, if you can remember where we were before the commercial break, Doug, you can continue to talk about it. Okay, let me try and bring it to another point. If we go back to four million years ago when the, when the early humans, the hominids, started to communicate, and I said they communicated by pantomiming and pointing, they did that because they walked on two feet and they could walk through the grasses and point to what might be dinner and so on and so forth. That type of communication was collaborative in nature. Up to the time of the human animal, and, and uniquely with the human animal ever since, no other creature has ever communicated to collaborate. So if you think of a jungle scene with the apes in the trees starting to shriek in alarm, they're not communicating to collaborate with the other apes. The bird that shrieks isn't communicating with the other birds. What they're doing is creating a communication of warning, of defense, of attack, or whatever, to a potential predator. The other apes, the other animals, the other birds are overhearing, but the communicator is not communicating to collaborate with them. That's been proven through a lot of research. The human animal is the only animal that communicates to collaborate. And the human's unique type of communications relates to their collaboration so that the human animal is hardwired to be a collaborative animal. And that means that as you think through communications campaigns today, Uh, What you want to do is create a campaign that builds community, which you can do better than ever using social media and all sorts of other tools, builds community and then gets that community to share their intentions and to share their vested interests and to collaborate. The interesting thing that seems to me to be happening is that on micro scale, there's a lot of collaboration going on now. So, for example, those people who believe in Tea Party principles are collaborating. Those people who believe in um, uh, Occupy Wall Street or Occupy fill-in-the-blank, they're collaborating. <laughs> but we don't have groups collaborating one with another. And, if you, and, and I think that that's really, really going to be a major issue in the forthcoming years. To what degree... Can humans do what humans have been hardwired to do, which is to collaborate? Well, That's the question of communications tools. Where will it take us? 
Well, I, um, you know, I, I think that through social media, people are collaborating a lot. Yeah, but they're collaborating within their groups. So, for example, the surveys of people who watch Fox News. The people who watch Fox News are a community with other people who watch Fox News, with the personalities on Fox News, and they're getting the news that they want. Then, and the people who watch, let's say, MSNBC, are another community with different points of view, and they're getting the news and they're collaborating and they're part of a community more and more that shares the same views. The question in my mind is, are we collaborating so much within smaller groups that we are failing to collaborate, to keep the analogy going, MSN and Fox between them? Or are we collaborating within each group? I think that's a really serious uh, question. Because collaboration can build stronger and stronger communities than ever before because of the new tools of communications. But if, those, if that collaboration is only designed to create small, relatively small affinity groups or affinity groups that don't have big umbrellas, then you can't get, you can't get wide swaths of people to collaborate. And I think that that's really necessary in this, in this world. That where that's being born. So there should be more. the The goal should be, or the solution might be, more intragroup communications rather than the groups becoming a little bit more too isolated on their own topic and um, community. Yes, I believe that uh, that is probably going to happen somewhere along the line for the survival of the species. But something else about collaboration scares me right now, and that is the ability for a leader to emerge uh, with a very big collaborative group. Right now, if you look at the world stage, there's no global leader. I mean, there's no. There was Mao in China. Okay, there was there was uh, leaders in the United States. There were leaders in in the Soviet Union, so on and so forth. There were big names, but right now this world lacks leadership. What if I went to you, Cindy, and said, "These are my political views. I want to establish a community of people who." subscribe to my political views, and then I'm going to coalesce them into a group. I'm going to build that group. I'm going to feed them more and more the messages of my philosophy, and I want them to become more and more intimate with me and my philosophy and with each other so that we become a very strong community that can grow and that can get big. Now, that's really great if that guy was... Desmond Tutu or somebody. But it isn't great if he's Adolf Hitler. And what scares me about the current tools uh, and possibilities uh, that exist in the world right now is that somebody in a black hat can emerge with a very simple and appealing philosophy in a world of major change and major turmoil, including major economic and social disruption, 
throughout Europe, throughout the United States, throughout the world, in a global economy, somebody can emerge with a very simple, compelling message to those people and to others and coalesce them into a very big group. And we, uh, we saw what happened with one really powerful leader and orator, Adolf Hitler, when he was able to coalesce a nation and peoples where they were defined within the limits of a geographical border. When well, you, you know what, I think, that's very inter- I think it's all very interesting. Unfortunately, we're going to have to end the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think what you're saying, I, I want to just, for my listeners in, in my language, sort of summarize this because it's very interesting. It's, um, you know, I, I, like what, I, I like the theory of too many subgroups. Powerful subgroups. The problem is, is that these subgroups are not communicating enough to one another. And therefore, there's a communications vacuum for somebody who has the power to interest all of these subgroups, but they might be very, very powerful in their ability to communicate, but there's danger in what their substance may be. Am I wrapping that up right? Yeah, but to be just to be fair, there's danger and or hope. Okay, well, I like the hope part, but yeah. um, you know, I think that I think that you make a very, very good point. Again, very academic, very sociological, very anthropological. Not enough discussion about sort of standing still and analyzing everything that's going on, what the opportunities are, what the consequences may be. And I think that you take us to some very, very interesting times in history when subgroups were taking place through other mediums of communication. But now it's, um, you know, the algorithms are so much faster and the ability to communicate through time and space are, are really diminishing. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that I think everybody should think about and maybe discuss. So we'll, we'll see you in Twitter <laughs> as we talk about this. And, Doug, I want to thank you for taking some time to do the show, and thank you for reaching out to me. Thanks for the interest and the opportunity. Okay, everybody, have a good weekend. Think about, you know, everything in this show. Give me comments, interested to hear them. And um, see you next week when we talk about crisis management and criminal defense, which is a little bit less academic and um, more current events. So everybody, have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. Bye, everybody.